Welcome back to Sound Pollution. It's a new season for the show, and I want to thank everyone for their patience while I've been away. I am back, and I have a new interview and new music from Corey, the sole musician of Valkyrie AD, a horror-themed metal band, and a very interesting guy. We will be discussing what got him started in the genre, his songwriting process, the stories behind three of his tracks, and the long-gone days of the horror VHS tapes. Also, this is my first attempt at having a co-host for the show, and I want to thank Michael Moody of Moody's Musics and Recording for joining me for this episode. Uh, Hopefully, Michael will join the podcast again now that he sees how it all kind of works. If you are interested in being a co-host for Sound Pollution, please shoot me an email at soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com, and we're off to the show. Didn't think you'd be thought of this quickly, did you? God, like, can you ease into it? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> a lot of coke's done. Come on, chop, chop. Shut up. All right. All right. <sighs> now I'm nervous because I don't usually have a co-host. So, Corey, you are with Valkyrie AD. Um, first things first, how'd you come up with that name? Is there a story behind that name? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so it's it's a name that comes from uh, mythology, and I don't know if you know for anyone who's not too familiar with it, it's kind of the modern interpretation of what a Valkyrie is is um, supposed to be like this angelic maiden that would kind of uh, come down onto battlefields, collect the souls of fallen heroes during the Viking era, and take them to the kingdom of Valhalla, where they would await the battle of ragnarok or armageddon um i'm actually really heavily inspired by horror so when i was reading more about the history uh, of of mythology and the history of that actual word um one of the theories is that it wasn't until kind of uh valhalla started to be viewed as more of like a hero's paradise that they kind of became maidens the idea was that they originally were more of kind of these demonic entities that would collect souls to create an army of the dead. And, you know, being so much into horror, that was kind of the definition that I was really kind of drawn to. So I kind of like the idea of having this this name to repre- represent this idea of, you know, here's this army of undead, macabre, gross stuff that I sing about and... Oh, Valkyrie. Awesome. So what got you interested in music? So I was, well, and I guess I still am, uh, a pretty shy kid, um, very quiet. Grew up in a really small town in uh, northeast Texas. And, you know, I, I was always just that kid that just felt weird. You know, not that anybody ever wants to. I just always kind of felt different. And I remember being in elementary school. And being in music class and music was the first time that I was in a room with kids my age and we were all talking about the same thing. And I kind of felt like I was a part of that conversation. I don't know if that makes sense, but that really kind of started this kind of eye opening love for music. And then, um, you know, it just kind of transitioned through there through like late middle school. I probably like most angry teenagers I was really heavily into punk that was just kind of my thing and then 
just kind of made a natural progression through music and through horror into finding metal. And then that's how I am into all the gross stuff now. What did you start on guitar? Is that what age were you when you started? Uh, so my first instrument uh, was actually a bass. Uh, so that the town I grew up in, I, I just really wanted to play with people. And there was a couple guitar players and there were a couple drummers and no one seemed to know what a bass guitar was. So I was like, well, I'll do it. And that was where I started. And, and it was probably about a year and a half, two years. And then I decided to pick up a guitar too, just to kind of keep seeing, to, you know, trying to see what I could do myself. Do you play anything else? Um, I mean, I try to play a lot of stuff. I, you know, write everything for, for Valkyrie. So, I mean, I, I don't consider myself a drummer. Um, I can do some things on the drum. I mean, everything that's on the uh, the releases is done with uh, virtual instruments. It's all MIDI. So there's no true playing there, but I feel like there's a little bit of a, at least of an understanding of drums. Um, and then through, through school, you know, I played baritone could play trumpet and trombone all the real cool stuff that the chicks dig and uh a <laughs> little bit of very rudimentary piano but yeah I, I i would definitely say that guitar specifically rhythm guitar is really kind of where i prefer to focus now do you do the lyrics as well are you the one singing yep okay yep. i know i could i could feel you having a technical question no, no <laughs> not, not right off yet, but I was going to say, I, I know you, you kind of dismissed yourself with the drums, but I, I do, as a compliment, I've run sound for metal bands for 10 plus years, and uh, I've recorded a couple of metal albums, uh, real drums, MIDI drums, you know, and, and one thing I want to compliment you on is the, the, the kick drum sounds and, right. and the three stuff, uh, the three songs you released, um, they, they don't say, a lot of modern metal music has such a clicky kick drum it, it kills me I, you know and it really sounded good it sounded like like drums should so i mean yeah. i know it's virtual all virtual stuff but, but but you did a good job selecting those and it's oh. it's clean it's good what were your influences musically um the first band that i really got into i i was in i guess i was in the third grade and i saw the movie detroit rock city and I became the biggest Kiss fan that small town Texas had ever known. Uh, that was probably my first favorite band. Listened to them for a little bit, and then I got kind of into skateboarding. So I was, you know, that was really where like that kind of thrashier stuff started being introduced. Then I got really big into Green Day for a while. Um, you should. Yeah, yeah. The it's like a right. 2004's American Idiot is why I actually picked up the bass. That was what made me say, like, this is what I should be doing. Um, as far as some of the more modern influences, uh, the, the big three for me as a songwriter now would be uh, The Black Dahlia Murder, I would say Trivium, and Skeleton Witch. Now, what was it about the genre of metal, especially like the horror metal, that really stuck out to you? Uh, in the beginning, it was really it was just the aggression. Um, you know, like I said, as as any angsty teenager can identify with, just you know, the angriest sounding thing you could find just really caught my attention. And I, you know, I don't really know how I ended up finding some of the stuff that I, you know, have started listening to now because 
the scene of the area where I grew up, you know, there, there really wasn't such a thing as, as metal outside of, you know, whatever was on the radio. So some of that stuff was more just, some of it might have been forced, like, oh, what can I, what can I say that I listen to just to offend people, you know? <laughs> um, and then maybe just through association, I started liking it. But certainly, as you know, by that point, being a being a guitar player primarily, you know, there's there's a lot of riffs in a lot of the death metal stuff. So that was really what I was drawn to first, and then kind of getting used to the the screams you know, the vocals and stuff, all that stuff really just kind of evolved later. Did you ever uh, play out vocally on stage with other people or were you just primarily guitar and bass player playing live with other folks? I have never performed vocals live. Uh, I played one show uh, on guitar with a really small local band. And I don't even know if you call it a show. Um, were people there? There, so it was it was it was at a like a youth group uh, gym of a church. It was like a Saturday night, and like the people in the Stop audience. Subtle that you were doing at the youth group at the church, please. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, it wasn't. It it was it was someone else's thing. I was just kind of you know playing mm. with them, but the people in the audience were the other kids that were playing that night. So. Right, but they weren't playing with you and you were playing. Okay, yeah. So we so, played a show. I did. I played a show. <laughs> Give yourself credit. I find a lot of uh, metal vocalists, by the time they've played live so long, they're used to having a dynamic mic in their hand that they're trying to cup. And then, you know, going into production like what you did, it's such an awkward stage for them. And, you know, it seems like you've been pretty natural with, with everything that you, you, you know, what you've produced so far. Yeah, I've, I've, have always had the goal in mind of doing live shows with Valkyrie and, you know, trying to find that balance between being a guitar player and a vocalist as corny as it is. I actually, a few times, like when I've done some of the recordings at home, I will try to do the vocal take while I have my guitar mm-hmm. for exactly that reason. Like you're talking about, I don't want to get used to having to hold on to a mic stand or, you know, try to think that the microphone should be right up against my face and then, you know, go to do it for real and, and the spacing and everything be off. I, and I don't know if that's something that anyone else other than me would ever think about, but they do. Now, right now you're the sole, you're the sole member. Um, are you looking to play live? Are you looking for people to play with, play your music? I am. Yeah. And I have, um, so the first release tales from the wicked came out in, uh, March of 2019. Uh-huh. And then that summer, I ended up finding a second guitarist locally who was really into it. We were, you know, he and I were playing together. We were had some pretty good momentum going. And then obviously the world ended in 2020. And so we, you know, respect each other and, and you know, took a break. And during that time was when I just went ahead and, and recorded the second release, Vile, which ended up coming out in August. Um, but then this year we've discussed you know, getting back together. We've, we've been together a couple times and he is still on board with the project. Um, the fourth release, probably about 80% written. Uh, so I hope to get that to start uh, recording soon. And on that one, I would like for it to be a little bit more collaborative between he and I. He's, he's a bit more of a technical player. So I'd like to use some of that maybe in some of the lead, you know, solos and stuff. Right. Utilize it. Yeah. Yeah. So how many how many albums have you released now? Three. 
Uh, two EPs and a single. Okay. But the single was 12 minutes long, so I think that yes, that probably counts. So did you find that this this like time that we're going through, like it's like the thing, it's like like Harry Potter, don't say its name. Did you use that to your benefit? Did you find that that was a good time to write, or were you frust too frustrated? Um. And there's no right answer to that. It's kind of funny. Um, you know, it's not like I. I guess I was I was fortunate enough that what uh, me and the other guitarist Kevin were kindly finally starting to become was so you know so early in its infancy that it didn't feel like a huge loss. It wasn't like oh my god we have to take this big break from this from yeah. this big thing. As far as the writing, you know I'm 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 one of those people that I don't really feel like I'm ever not writing. You know, you know, even in the midst of working on a current release, I still feel like I'm working on the next one as well. I had the time, but it's not like I had more time necessarily, at least in that regards. Um, I thought it was kind of funny in a non-funny way. During the time, like you would hear in the news, all of these bands, it's like, oh, so-and-such is announced that they're writing or going into the studio. And it's like, what the hell else are you doing? Like, this is kind of your thing, right? <laughs> we do anyway. <laughs> well, I know for some artists, you, they, they had a hard time writing because everything was so negative. And yeah. for other artists, they were like, sweet, I'm alone in my, my apartment forever. And I do all the stuff that I've always wanted to do. So it's been an interesting question. One that I would like to stop asking. I'm ready. Oh, yeah, I'm ready. For sure. For sure. And, and it, as far as like uh, any sort of inspiration from the last year, you know, I, I've never envisioned uh, Valkyrie as having any sort of like agenda driving mm -hmm. it, you know, so I don't really look too much towards current events to try to put any sort of lyrical theme into, at least not consciously. So it wasn't like, oh, I should write a COVID song or I should not write a COVID song. It was just like, I'm just going to write about ghosts again. Which I love. On a personal level. Do you do all the production yourself? Do you have anything where you had it sound to be mastered, or is this all you? Uh, so the the first release, I found a guy uh, who at the time lived locally. He had a little home studio. So we recorded everything there, and then he mixed it and mastered it. Uh, his name's Dwayne Williamson. He has uh, Modern Mythology Studios as his. And then for the second one, he ended up relocating to the Pacific Northwest, uh, and I'm in new york state so i ended up recording all of that myself um and that time i used plugins uh, i used the fortin nameless suite for the guitar tones um, whereas before we were actually miking cabs and amps and stuff um, i sent all of that to him and he mixed it and mastered it and then on the third one the, the single i did all of that from start to finish myself so it's a weird process when you finally start, you know, I was in a band, I was just a demo drummer for a long time. And then I got to where I was recording live stuff just to, you know, reference it so we could write more music. And then next thing you know, I was recording. It, it's just it, the progression, you know, it, it's a cool thing. And like I say, we're, you're doing it all yourself now, you know. It, but I, I know some artists that, that solo artists especially, it, it doesn't seem like you're in that trap where, you just can't release it. You go back and you keep on editing and editing and, you know, and, and it's a frustrating, you know, thing. Is this going to be good for the world now? Is it not? Is it, you know? Yeah, no, it's for sure. That was an issue uh, with the single. Um, you know, my hope is 
to try to learn everything or, or to learn something with everything that I do. Um, and with this last one, you know, absolutely, it was a matter of when is the song ever going to be done? You know, and, and it's it's funny. It's you know, it's 12 minutes long. And that song before I started recording it would have easily been twice that length because I think maybe a common misconception for some people is it's actually much easier to write a long song than it is to write a short song. It's much easier to just kind of keep going once you kind of get started on a path than it is to like purposefully cut and say, this is where this is going to be over with. And then it became a whole new monster when I had to try and mix it and master it without really having a clue outside of what YouTube could teach me as far as saying like, this is actually the sound that I am okay with publishing. Well, I want to say too, on the, on the 12, you know, it, it had a lot of good changes in it, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of stops, a lot, you know, it, it wasn't just, you know, I'm old grateful dead fan at heart, you know, and that same riff would carry on for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, a lot of stops, definitely some prog rock or prog metal and, you know, black and brash uh, for sure, you know, but, but so since we're talking so much about that, let's let's give that a name. In this haze of green and gold. So it's a 12-minute song, and that is your most current release. Yes. What was the story behind that song? Uh, so for people that may recognize the title, it's actually a reference to uh, Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. I did. I caught it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a reference in, in book seven. Uh, there's a part of that. And I... The first time I read that series, which was, I don't even know how many years ago, I just read that line and knew instantly this that's going to be a song one day. Did you do the uh, artwork for uh, Tales from the Wicked? Yeah, I did. It, it's Hi. nice. It definitely had a DC uh, comic kind of theme to it, man. Yeah, that's what, that's what I had really hoped for. Um, obviously, it also does look like it was done with Sharpie because it was. So, you know, there's always a balance. <laughs> There, there's something that, that is not too overproduced, you know, that I probably like, really like that. So, yeah, there's uh, I feel like there's a there's a fine line between really DIY and just being like, you could have tried harder, you know. <laughs> so it was I mean, other than Stephen King, um, it's a longer song. Does it feel to you like it's almost several songs together or is it just telling the story? I think uh, musically, for sure, there's there's probably, you know, four parts to it. Um, lyrically, it's the same story. So, you know, back to kind of discovering that title without giving anything away, that section of the book deals with the death of, of a character. And so I always knew that that's what the song would be about. It would be about death. And then, you know, fast forward a few years and I started, you know, putting pen to paper for lyrics. Being death metal, it ended up kind of turning into my death, you know, more, more of a suicide note, so to say. Um, and that, I think what in the end ended up influencing kind of the tonal shift that, you know, the sonic shift so much as far as, you know, it does have a lot of like the progressive song structure but it still has very much of at least what i think to be a kind of a purposeful hold back on the production 
and kind of the the rationale for that was you know i wanted to try to convey this feeling of without you know being too depressing and just ruining the night for everyone you know through the lens of of suicide what i thought was as the listener i think it would it would be an interesting idea to try to have the song be you know very big and momentous and have all of this stuff going on but there still be that feeling of kind of like a undersold potential much in the same way of what someone who is left behind from suicide might feel right so you have this note and you think you know it doesn't matter how poetic or beautiful the words are the person's still gone right so then that was really what was kind of the the mission statement so to speak just from the whole start to finish once i actually began recording into clicking publish which is a super dark explanation <laughs> a little bit I, I, I was kind of <laughs>
Are, are you writing? Are you the kind of guy that writes all the time? I mean, just you know, see the pen and pad, and there, there seems to be, you know, in my experience, people who just all of a sudden it comes to them and they write it all down at once, or somebody writes it down all all the time. At the risk of sounding super pretentious, I like to think that there are people that write songs, and then there are songwriters. And for me, I like to try to think of it more as a songwriter. Like I, I kind of always, I mean, I have like a running list on my phone of just like titles, you know, ideas like, oh, that's going to be something someday because I read it somewhere. And, you know, talking back to kind of the Tales from the Wicked cover art, you know, that EC comic, uh, like Vault of Horror influence, that's that's a lot of what the the lyrical influences you know i try to picture a song having the ability to translate over to the pages of a comic book so it's a little bit more of a narrative driven but you know very very descriptive very you know illustrative or at least i hope it is which leads me to the next song tell us about the conjuring so the conjuring was a a bit of a tongue-in-cheek response um you know, ultimately, the song is about, you know, performing a satanic ritual to give my soul to the devil so that I can be a better guitar player, which, you know, doesn't work. Otherwise, I would have made it years ago. But the the idea was, you know, when you grow up, especially in, you know, small town Texas, you tell people, oh, you like metal. Well, then they all say, well, then you must worship the devil. So <laughs> The Conjuring was more of like, OK, yeah, sure, here you go. But that song was... Um, probably one of the best examples of kind of how uh, songwriting kind of happens for me. You know, for me, it always starts with the guitar riff. And I would say, you know, nine times out of 10 or so, when I hear the riff, I'm, I hear everything. I can hear what the drum's doing, what the bass is doing with the second guitar. If there is harmony, you know, I can hear a riff and say, okay, this is a verse or a chorus. And I can hear already what the vocal pattern and cadence is going to be. So that song, The Conjuring, from concept to last pinned lyric was written in like a Saturday afternoon. I just sat down with the guitar and came up with the music almost in a lesser amount of time than it takes to listen to the song now. That's awesome. I'm jealous.
and I don't know, I've told that story to a few people thinking like, oh, this is how songs are written. And then people are usually like, no, not really. So I don't know. I don't know how much of it was maybe a learned behavior from having been on my own for so long mm-hmm. or how maybe it was a, an approach I would have had, which has resulted in me staying on my own because maybe people are like, I don't want to fucking work with that guy. Well, well, they should work with that guy. So it sounds like a lot of a lot of the, the harder stuff in your life makes it into music for you. Is that kind of how you process it? you find it therapeutic almost in a way? There is certainly a, a therapeutic release in the writing of the music. You know, just that that process of creating something. I don't typically use a lot of that in the lyrics, uh, right. at least not consciously. I'm sure I could talk to a therapist and then they'd read my lyrics and be like, you're not as smooth as you think you are. But <laughs> I definitely get much more of a release from the song structure than than kind of you know like we talked about before trying to have that each song be a a statement of of some sort and the last song that we'll talk about is off uh your second release uh vile death has come to your little town um first off the title made me kind of giggle because i was like that seems right lately tell us about that uh so that's that's a quote from uh john carpenter's halloween so that's that's what the whole song is about. It's about the pretty much the whole franchise, but I, mostly the, the first movie. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even put that connection on it. Yeah. I'm yeah, s- slow. Dr. Loomis tells it to Sheriff Brackett before they go on hunting. What drew you to the, you know, you know, you like, you like, I've had such a long day, dude. I am so sorry. Every thought that I just had, like there was a bubble and there was like three lot, three little dots and it all went away. You're doing great. Oh, I thank you. <laughs> is she? It's so sad when the interviewer, interviewee is like, yeah, it's fine. Keep going. Shut up. Um, so you're, you're, you're drawn to, to darker writing and movies. What drew you to that? Was it again kind of the the Texas just to kind of be? You already think I'm strange, so, or was that why they thought that? So, the I, I know the exact moment that I that I fell in love with Florida, and it actually was John Carpenter's Halloween. I was so I'm originally from from Dallas, mm-hmm. and right after kindergarten we moved out to the country, and that was where I grew up. And the only reason why that's relevant is because this memory takes place specifically in the house in Dallas so I would have been five or younger at the time and Halloween was on TV and I don't remember how much I was necessarily watching but I was at least aware of what was going on and it was the point in which you know Jamie Lee Curtis's spoilers slumped over in the doorway and by now then they're slow so yeah yeah well you know people you know you never know she's like you know slumped over in the doorway and then just slowly in the background the shape sits up and that was it i was sold it's like the boogeyman is real all stories are true and i've been into horror ever since like you ever check out like real life haunted houses and stuff that have like all the stories behind it or for you is it all fiction um i mean i'm not a a religious person uh or you know a very spiritual person so it's 
it's easy for me now to be like, yeah, it's all fiction. But I have stayed the night in like a haunted bed and breakfast, quote unquote haunted bed and breakfast, and I didn't sleep a wink that night, you know, just because I was like, something's coming. But I think the moment for me, which is funny because now I'm scared of everything. Like I literally have panic disorder. But I remember watching the original Night of the Living Dead over <laughs> and over, like in black and white. Yeah. Like over and over. And I don't even think I was 12. Mine, I, I was I was obsessed with it. Mine was Dawn of the Dead. And I, I'm, yeah, old, that's a good I'm old enough now that we go to the video rental store. And like my mom would always drink it. It was our favorite one. And we, <laughs> we, just, we constantly rewatched George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. So yeah, the whole yeah. mall thing and oh, <laughs> that's the one where they're on top of the building and like there's the guy on the other building and he's like Oprah Winfrey. Oh no, that, they, that that was that was the remake. Oh, that's the oh I didn't know there was yeah, the original there, oh, shit. Oh my god, you gotta see the original. I laughed so hard and then that one had some great music in it too. <laughs> yeah, well it was yeah disturbed and all that. Yeah, where they took it yeah. and then they like did it with jazz music. Yeah, elevator music. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was that was a big part of growing up for me was with talking about the movie riddle thing. I just go. I remember in the in the store in town, it was the back left corner, and just go and just stare at VHS covers and just be like, wow, what what could this be about? And then they had to go and close them all. Yeah, yeah. There's no more block. Well, there's one more blockbuster somewhere. Is in like California? There's some random tiny Washington State or some. Yeah. Someone's gonna ruin it. <laughs> Leave it alone. Let it be. Like that was my middle school, high school. I was like, let's go rent a tape. The kids will never understand, you know. And and you and you're not allowed to go behind the curtain, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The naughty movie. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The, the whole horror and it were all in alphabetical order, you know. And you yeah. go like, oh, have I seen? Do we want to watch? I spit on your grave, or you know. <laughs>
if somebody wanted to play with you from your area, how could they get a hold of you? Would like the best way to get, reach out to you be on your social media? Or do you have an email you'd like to give? Uh, carrier pigeon. Carrier pigeon. No, I um. So I I am terrible at social media. Uh, so I I do have an Instagram, Valkyrie underscore ad. You could always message me there. Or there's a Valkyrie AD page on Facebook. I don't know how it works, but there is one. Um, <laughs> You're like, I have one. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, I do have a page on Bandcamp. You can message through there. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone hears this and wants to do something, I am more than willing to sell out. I will I'll come play in your living room if I have to. Part of New York, you don't have to give the city. But what, what part are you in? Uh, it's I'm in what's called the Southern Tier. I'm near the city of Binghamton is the closest like okay. thing on the map, I guess. Is there anything else you, you want the listeners to know? Um, so every time I, I've done a couple interviews and I always want to try to do quick, two quick little shout outs if I can. Do it. Uh, so the first one is uh, the guy that I mentioned before, Dwayne Williamson. Um, he has his own little project he's trying to get up off the ground called Beast Mountain. And, you know, his album, Cryptozoology, um, it's very, like, cosmic horror, very doom, kind of stoner, sludge, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, everything I know now as a recording artist is 100% owed to that guy. Um, You know, so ever feeling like I could ever try to do a fourth release, let alone a second release, is, is because of, you know, the time I was able to spend with him and... So I always try to plug in when I can. And that's Beast Mountain? Beast Mountain, yeah. Two words. And then the second is there is a uh, horror-themed fitness clothing company out of Pittsburgh called Death Comes Lifting. And Lifting? Yeah, Death Comes Lifting. Right right after I put out Tales from the Wicked, um, the, the main guy there, Zach, he's the first person I reached out to and was like, hey, here's this thing I did. And he was the first person who wasn't a blood relative that listened to music of mine and, you know, was willing to give it a shot. And ever since then, you know, he and I are always communicating back and forth. And, and, you know, I I do a little bit of like writing for him on his Patreon page and he's always plugging my stuff. So for me to ever have the nerve to even send an email to you to be like, hey, can I come on your show is 100% 100% because he told me yes the first time. So he, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a little metal community over there too. So it's, you know, it's like metal workout clothes. Yep. Yeah. It's all so that. It's like, oh it's got some like black Sabbath theme shirts, some black flag stuff. Yes. It's pretty cool. Uh, pretty genius. It is. Hey everyone, there's a new season of sound pollution coming your way. I know it's been a really rough 18 months and we are not out of the dark yet, but I'm going to keep bringing you new independent artists, their music, and their stories, as well as some updates from fabulous musicians that have been here before. I will be introducing you to the occasional guest co-host this fall as well. Will I find a permanent partner for the show? If you're interested in being a guest musician on Sound Pollution or want to co-host an episode, shoot me a message at soundpollutionpodcast.com or soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com. Be love and make some noise. Your three three releases in. 
And with a fourth one 80 percent done you're doing great well thank you i just wish you know just like with all the other independent artists that i interviewed you know it's it's hard to be an independent artist you know that's what nobody talks about it's to be do everything on your own and keep releasing music just for the love of releasing music like that's something special yeah i think if i could just you know if i could just really focus on learning the production to the point where I would actually just feel more comfortable with it. I, I, I wouldn't really mind the independent aspect of it as far as, you know, recording and releasing stuff. The solo artist gets a little old sometimes. Um, you know, one of my biggest concerns about being a solo artist is uh, just sounding stale, you know, because so long as it's me, it's going to be the same hands playing the same influences, writing the same words. And, you know, I don't want to put out something that someone's going to go, oh, it's the same thing he did with a new name on it. Um, so, you know, that's something to try to, why I really like to bring, you know, different people in to try to kind of keep that, that fresh perspective. But also, you know, the biggest pro of being a, a solo artist is I don't have to coordinate with anybody. So... When I'm ready to record, I just come in here and hit record. I don't have to, you know, wait for people to come over. Or... I, I had a guy tell me one time, and you know, because I, I always give the main, I always say I'm just a dumb old drummer, and uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this for you know, a long time. <laughs> and uh, you know, somebody stopped me at the end of the session or rehearsal session one time, I was like, you know, you don't realize how many times that you stopped or you did something just, you know, a fill here and then change directions. That it influenced how the song was written. So, yeah, if, if you're coordinating or you know collaborating with other people, it does you know it does change and sometimes it challenges you and whatnot. And, but but yeah, and you know like I say, I think you're doing great. And I've listened to it and it, it all sounds great. So and I've, I've been around metal musicians and recordings for a hundred years, I guess. So it really is good. Well, thank you. It really is good. everybody that was episode 51 of sound pollution with valkyrie ad i want to thank Corey so much for being on the show i want to thank michael for being a guest co-host and i want to thank you for listening uh don't forget to like follow and subscribe to sound pollution on whatever listening platform you are using and click those links below to show this artist some attention remember get vaccinated wear a mask be love and make some fucking noise